you have your Bible with you and would like to follow along in the reading, it won't be reading, I won't be reading immediately, but I will be in just a, a little bit. I'm going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Will you bow your head with me as we take a moment to pray and ask for God's divine help in this message this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for the reality of your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that even even when we may slip up, may stumble, might even turn our back, that you're still faithful, that you still speak to us and call us, draw us, you still love. Thank you, Lord, for all of your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, not only of the future, but thank you for the hope that we have in you. The steadfast hope, the lively hope that we have in you of today and for the tomorrows. As we look ahead to a year that is before us with all of its unknowns, I pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit to go before us, thy presence go before us. As we look into your word this morning, in this particular passage, in these thoughts that you have laid and pressed on my heart, I pray that you would help me to be able to effectively communicate them to each one of us here today in some way, in some form. I pray for your blessing, for your anointing, and ask it in Jesus' name, amen. There's really just one verse that I want to share, there's one verse of Scripture that I want to look at today. But really, it's impossible, it's difficult to be able to look at this one verse without going into what is deeply embedded all the way around it and what took place up to that point. I don't want to, I don't have the time this morning to go into the entirety of the story, to re, uh, go through all of the various steps, but I'd like to give a few highlights, a few points of this passage in the history or the background. This is coming from one of the darkest periods of history for the Israelite nation, for the children of Israel. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 4, it was during this time that one of the fiercest enemies of the Israelite people, the Philistines, they drew up in a battle array. It was near a place that is known to be called Ebenezer. And as the battle spread... Israel was defeated that day, and about 4,000 of their men were killed on the battlefield. I don't know I don't know how you look at things this morning, but it would seem to me that 4,000 men being killed on the battlefield, and in that day especially, it must have been a pretty bad route. At least that's the way I would think as I'm reading this. The sad part about the circumstances during this time and after this battle, this defeat, and and the death of 4,000 men, the elders of Israel just didn't seem to understand what was going on. It would seem as though that they did not understand that the spiritual decline of the nation 
is what was causing the forfeiture of, of God's divine protection and a forfeiture of God's divine presence. They were no longer at this point living in victory under their Jehovah God. It wasn't too long ago, just a couple of Wednesday nights ago, I believe, that Chad shared with us all of those different names of God, Jehovah and Elohim and all those various ones. I sent him a little, a little picture that God is not a um, how, how was that uh, El get by, but El Shaddai? God is the God of abundance. And uh, too bad he didn't have that to share with us. He would have stumped us for good on that one. But they were, not, they were no longer living in victory under this Jehovah God. We understand that they were not fully understanding what was going on because of what was to take place next. Because it, see, it, we realize as we read this that they, they gave an effort. They put forth an effort to change the situation. And if you're reading there, if you're following there at all, if you know the story at all, you know that the elders sent for the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was resting in Shiloh. And so the Ark of the Covenant was brought in and it arrived into the camp of the Israelites. And, and the Israelite people were so excited for the arrival of the Ark of the Covenant that they shouted a great shout until the earth rang with the noise of it. Somebody said, but they were placing their confidence in the magic of the Ark rather than the majesty of the Almighty who resided above the ark. I'd like for us to get a hold of that. I think there's some profound uh, sense in the reality of what this individual said, that they were, they were trusting, they were resting, they were placing their confidence in the magic of the ark rather than in the majesty of the Almighty who resided above the ark. In other words, the Israelites were using the ark as a good luck charm. You know, if you share this promise of God with 10 of your friends on Facebook, then you will have a, a blessing come to you before Friday or before whatever. You know, we see it all the time. People are trying to use God and the things of God, the elements that we can see, the elements that we can hold, the elements that we can read, and we, we try to use them. People try to use them as some kind of a magic trick, a good luck charm to, to appease God or to bring Him on board, just like the Israelites were doing here at this particular point in their lives, bringing the Ark of the Covenant But Israel had not kept the conditions that God had laid out for them. God had given them promises that were conditional promises. If they did this, if they followed him, if they served him, if they were faithful in serving him, that God would, go, would be right there with them and be faithful to them every single step. But since they had not kept those conditions... 
which were a part of the covenant, which means that in their disobedience, they were breaking the covenant. And so they were bringing themselves as a nation under the curses of that covenant. And God was not obligated to answer their prayers. God was not obligated to go with them on that Ark of the Covenant into that battle. These are the Philistines, excuse me, they heard that great shout. They heard why the Israelites were shouting. The Philistines knew the history of the Ark of the Covenant. They knew what had taken place and what was surrounding the Ark of the Covenant. And so because of that knowledge, they became a frightened people. But they went into that battle, even though they had fear and trepidation over the Ark of the Covenant, they went in with, uh, valiantly to fight. And in doing so, they had a tremendous slaughter. If we think that 4,000 men was a, a rout, 4,000 men dying was a great loss. In this particular battle, in this particular instance, they didn't lose just simply 4,000 men, but now they lost 30,000 in this battle. Not only did they lose 30,000 soldiers, 30,000 soldiers were killed, but the Ark of the Covenant was captured. The Ark of the Covenant was captured. The priestly sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed. The report came back from the battlefield and it reached Eli, the the high priest, this, this great man of God. And it tells us that he fell off of his seat and he broke his neck. He died because because he was old and heavy. But he died. The tragedy of of the nation, the circumstances of the nation were so, so incredibly sad and, and grievous. It caused the man to fall over and die. And when the wife of Phineas heard the news that she was now a widow in childbirth, she named, she named that child Ichabod, saying that the glory of the Lord is departed. It's a bad story, isn't it? It's sad. It's heartrending. It's, it's, it's really a, a tragic situation to, to stop and think about, especially on the first day of the new year when we look ahead with anticipation and excitement as to what is in store, what God can do. But I think we need to be reminded that the Israelite people were God's chosen people and they failed to obey God and there was consequences for that failure. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a snare or a curse to the Philistines. If you remember that, we're not going to go into all those details of what took place, but they got tired of it. They, they eventually wanted to get rid of it. 
And as we come into, into 1 Samuel chapter 7, we, we begin to read that the, the people of Israel began to turn their attention back to God. And they, they really had a serious in-depth focus into, into serving and being obedient again. Actually, the word is used in in nearly every translation in verse number 2 of this chapter where the Israelite people lamented after God. I really wanted one of the translations to give a different word because I don't like that word lamented. But it seems as though every translation, nearly every translation used the word lamented. There was something, there's something that was really in anguish going on in their soul, seeking after God. Look at it. The men of Kirjath Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath uh, Kirjath Jerim, that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. They really wanted to see something change. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do, if ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtoreth, served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered to Mizpah and drew water, And poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together in Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Why were they afraid of the Philistines? Because they lost 34,000 men in the last two conflicts with them. And the last conflict with them, they had the Ark of the Covenant, and they lost 26,000 more than they lost without the Ark of the Covenant. More. 26,000 more than they lost in the previous. So a total of 34,000. They're afraid. How about you? Would you be? I think I would be. I think I'd be struggling here a little bit. Especially with the mindset that this Ark of the Covenant was a magic symbol rather than depending on the power of the Almighty. They had things twisted and they weren't all the way back yet. The children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and burnt, offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. 
And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. He set up a stone of memorial stating that we, because we have returned to the Lord, the Lord thus far has helped us. You see, Samuel was one of the greatest men of God in the Old Testament. He's the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. Samuel is really, really standing up to be a, 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 a voice for God and a voice for righteousness. He's seeking to bring, bring about revival to the nation. And if we go back into this early part of the reading, we'll see that he was, he was challenging the children of Israel to do, to do four things. In the midst of their losses and in the midst of their problems, in the midst of, of all the trouble that they had experienced, he was trying to get them to understand, first of all, you have to return to the Lord with all of your heart. And secondly, you have to remove all of the foreign gods from among you. And thirdly, he said, redirect or direct your hearts to the Lord. Focus your attention on Him. And fourthly, serve Jehovah alone. There's no different levels of, of worship in the tiers of worship. It's, it's simply worshiping God alone. Jehovah God is the only God for us to worship. Now to the children of Israel, these four things basically equaled or basically produced repentance. And Samuel promised that if they, if they repented of their sins, God would deliver them. Deliverance would be real. Deliverance would be true if, the, if they served God. So the Israelites met the conditions of repentance. They obeyed God. And they received deliverance. Now in the process of meeting the conditions, uh, Samuel had all of them gather at Mizpah so that he could pray for them. And while they were there at Mizpah, somehow, I don't know, it doesn't say that there was a great shout. It doesn't say that there was a ringing in the earth because the children of Israel had gathered. It simply tells us that the leaders of the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered in, in, in Mizpah. And the only thought that they could come up with, if they're gathering in Mizpah, that means that they're coming to attack us. And we're going to go out and meet them with all kinds of vengeance and force. So they went up to Mizpah to attack Israel. Now let's just stop here a moment. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what your name is. If we turn our attention to God, 
And the devil comes at us with anything and everything. If our faith and confidence is in God himself and not in the magic of the ark or whatever symbolism we may want to hold to, we can have confidence of deliverance as well. Samuel was a praying prophet, and so he did what they asked, and he prayed, and he offered a whole burnt offering. Worship was going on. He cried unto the Lord for Israel. The Lord answered him. And while Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines were gathering themselves to battle against Israel. But you can go back and read it again. God fought for the Israelites that day, thundered against them, confused them on the battlefield so that they were badly beaten. I think the next verse or two says that Philistines no longer came back in. They were done. They had a, they had a good, good period there for a while of some real, real peace because they were afraid. They, they, they knew that they had lost. Now let's go back to verse number 12. last part of verse number 12 and Samuel set up a stone or a rock of memorial and called the place Ebenezer called it Ebenezer why because hitherto or thus far up to this point the Lord has helped us we don't use the word hitherto we don't really use the word thus But thus far has the Lord helped us. Look back over the year past, or even years past. Whatever the condition is, whatever the circumstances would be of the year or the years past, you know, maybe somebody returned to the Lord, maybe somebody came to the Lord. Maybe somebody's looking back over the year or years as being steadily following the Lord, whatever the circumstances. I challenge you on this first day of the year to set up a rock of memorial, calling it Ebenezer in your life. Why did they set up rocks of memorial at different times? It was so that their children would say, Dad, Mom, Grandpa, Grandma, what is this rock for? What's the meaning of this rock? Well, this particular rock is Ebenezer. This is the point where we look back and realize that up to this point, God helped us. Set up a rock of memorial. Praise God for what he has done. Thus far, the Lord has walked with me. Thus far, the Lord has been faithful to me. Thus far, the Lord has provided for me. It used to be that I would flip the calendar page. Maybe you still flip the calendar page. I guess I still do with my day timer. I still use the day timer, the hand, hand stuff. But I, the one that I use the most for everyday stuff, I think, is, is my digital one. And it automatically goes over. And in the wee hours of this, mor- this morning, in the darkness of this morning, I clicked on the calendar. And sure enough, there it was. January 1st. 
2023. You remember 2020? All the fear. What if, what if things don't transition right over to 2023? What if something happens in this? The calendar flips. The calendar changes. The date is January 1, 2023. What direction will you walk this year? It's an unknown road before us. Which direction will you walk this year? Will you join Joshua of old in in chapter 24 of the book uh, that is named after him in verse number 15 where he says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you join him? Will you, will you side with him today and, and, and choose this year to, whether or not anybody else follows, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Will you join with Jesus as he tells the band of disciples who follow the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all this other stuff. All these other things will be added to you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So that at the end of, a, of this particular calendar, when the page flips from December 23 to January 24, If Jesus tarries and your breath remains, and you've been, you have walked faithfully with Abba Father, another rock, another rock can be established. Another rock that states hitherto or thus far. Has the Lord helped us? It's all, it all hinges on us walking and choosing to serve Him. The promise is still there. Even though we live under a new covenant, so to speak, we live under a new testament, so to speak, the promise is still there that He is faithful to the faithful, He provides for the followers. We don't have to succumb to the pressures and the sinking sands around us. We can follow Him because His grace is sufficient. That when we seek Him and His righteousness, that all of these other things, and we can stand with Joshua of old and say, choose you this day, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Which direction are you traveling for 2023? Let's stand together this morning. Praise God. Is every heart clear this morning? My challenge to you is to follow God. 
Even in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the den, in the midst of the storm, whatever it may be. Choose to follow him. And he will be faithful to us. Praise God. Praise God. Ben Stainbrook, would you dismiss us in prayer?